So Jonah 1 and the uh, communion meditation is actually concerning verse 4 only, but I'll read from verse 1 through 4. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship was about to be broken up. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for uh, Jonah and his life and his uh, illustration to us this day. We pray that you would open our eyes uh, to your love for him and your love for us. We ask you in Christ's name, amen. So last week, we talked a bit about the background to this book, but then we ended it with, of course, Jonah being disobedient to God's command. So verse 3 began, but Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So instead of obeying God, he chose to disobey God and run away. And why would he do that? We don't know at this point. It doesn't really say, but yet really we kind of know that any act of disobedience is obviously disagreement. So Jonah disagreed with what God wanted him to do. There was a conflict of beliefs, a conflict of ideals. Jonah didn't embrace God's beliefs or his ideals. Now, a long time ago, I don't know how old this is, but uh, a long time ago when I was a kid, I remember hearing it, but it became popular and I saw it at stores and on little plaques and stuff, and it said... If you love something, set it free. If it comes back to you, it's yours. If it doesn't, it never was. Anybody familiar with that phrase? If you love something, set it free. If it comes back to you, it's yours. If it doesn't, it never was. Now, maybe also you've heard the variant of that, which I think many of us like even more. If you love something, set it free. If it loves you, it will come back to you. If it doesn't, hunt it down and kill it. The second one came about after the first one, by the way. (laughs) Now, both of these reflect a wrong view of love. And let me kind of explain. So the first one is probably what we are most prone to in our culture, and that is we associate love with permissiveness. If you love something, set it free. If it comes back to you, then it's yours. So we are kind of trained as a culture, really, to let what we love go, to act as if we don't care, to act as if it doesn't hurt us that they're doing this. But yet, that's odd. It's really not to even behave as a human made in God's image to behave that way. We have love for things. We want to express that love. Now, it's true, though. There's an element of truth in it in that, yeah, sure, sometimes what you love does leave you, does come to hate you, does run away from you, and you can't always get them back, and you do have to let them go. But yet, it is not the first thing that we should do. 
we should go after that which we love. And now the second one, too, is also off. And so this is obviously from the spurned lover's perspective. You're not getting away with this. I love you. You come back here, you know. Uh, I forget what the phrase is where women say, you know, uh, something about their husband leaving them, and it's like, well, that's the last thing they'll ever do, you know. You know, I mean, wives threaten death upon a husband uh, leaving them for another woman. And I can relate to that. I mean, it, it, there's, there's a lot of hurt that's caught up in a betrayal of affection like that. Now, I'm going to say something that might surprise you. God appear, appears to favor the hunt-it-down-and-kill-it approach, doesn't he? Look what he's doing. Verse 3 starts with Jonah fleeing from the presence of the Lord. It ends with him fleeing from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. God is hunting Jonah down, and he's on the verge of killing him. Very interesting, isn't it? You wouldn't have thought there's an element of truth to that. So now, God responded immediately to Jonah running away. He didn't lollygag. He acted. Did God set Jonah free in the hopes that he would return to him? No, no. He went after him. When I was, I think I was probably 12, I had two older brothers and an older sister, so a boy, boy, girl, and then me. And my older brother, John, he started skipping school in 10th grade, eventually quit a few months later, quit school. And then the, uh, my brother, Mike, also started skipping with John at that time, but he had to stay in school. My dad wouldn't let him drop out. So he was in school for another year. But then when he went into 11th grade, he started skipping school all the time too, and he eventually also dropped out of school. During this time, when there was all this conflict between my dad and my two brothers, uh, my younger brother, Mike, ran away. By that time, John had already moved out. They'd solved that problem. And so uh, my younger brother, older but younger, uh, he ran away, but he had still been living at home. And so he was gone for, I don't know, two or three days. And I don't know why I was involved in this, but we get a phone call. It's, we're, we're home. It's late at night. It's probably 9, 10 o'clock at night. And my dad takes me with him. And here what it is is my brother had called, wanted to come home. And so we go meet him up at the high school, which is only about a mile away, and so I'm sitting in the front passenger seat. My dad gets out, and he's talking to my brother. And the next thing I know, about two or three minutes later, the rear door behind me opens, and my brother gets in. And he scoots all the way across to the other side. Well, then my dad crawled in after him and started punching him in the shoulder. And my brother took it for about five seconds, and then he bolted. I mean, he just opened the door off into the night. And... Uh, that was love. I mean, I know it sounds strange, but my dad had been so upset at what my brother had done and had hurt him and my mom so badly at what he had done that he wanted to punish him right then and there for having hurt him. And so it was a little mixture of both here. It was the hunting him down and trying to hurt him, but it was also the going after him, the not letting him go, see if he'll return. He came back. I, I don't know if he came back that 
night, I don't think so. I think he came back the next day. But then my dad didn't punch him when he returned that next day. And so my dad had kind of learned, oh, I shouldn't do that. But so I share that, though, because it was shocking to me. I, I mean, I'm just sitting there. I'm 12 years old, and this all happens. And, of course, you don't talk about stuff like that. I mean, there's no way, not as a 12-year-old. And so I'm just, oh, I'm going to behave, you know. But so it is part of our fallen nature to run at times, just like what my brother did. Adam and Eve, what happened? They sinned, they experienced this guilt, they run away from God. But what did God do? He went after them. He sought them out. Where are you? What are you doing? God pursued them. Why? He loved them. He pursued them because he loved them. And he didn't want them to escape his love. He wanted them to be protected by his love. And so that is why he goes after us. That's why my brother, you know, I had my dad going, going after him. So this love that God has for us motivates him to act. He doesn't treat it like apathy. He's not a stoic. God doesn't act like, oh, well, you can't harm me. Interesting. We can't harm God. We know this. But yet, in living out our faith in the image of God, He grants us that ability to relate to Him in this way, and He loves us. He chooses to bestow that love upon us. But yet, here we are in the middle of this big disagreement, this big conflict of beliefs with Jonah being upset with God, and he runs away. God's hounding him. He's coming after him. And so, there is so much in illustration here that relates to us. If you are God's child, expect storms. To the degree that you disagree with God, that you fight against God, expect storms. Expect Him to hound you. The greater the sin, the greater the storm. So now, this doesn't mean God hates you, of course. This mean he, means He is hounding you back to himself. He's leash, unleashed the hounds to drag you back into his presence, and you will return. If you're his child, you will return. So when we come to the table, this is us being at one with God, accepting his beliefs, accepting his commands. And yet, at times, we all disobey. We all rebel. And so if you are one that is in rebellion, then you know you come to this table to be restored in fellowship with God. But yet, too often we can partake of this table without really having that as our heart's intention. We want to remain in rebellion against God, and that ought not be your state. You must submit to His authority. You must submit to His love. So let's pray. Father, we thank You for the fact that You do hound us you don't allow us to indulge in fleeing from you, to uh, please ourselves at the expense of the relationship that we have with you. And so we pray, Lord, that even now you would draw close to us and that we would draw close to you, that we would submit to your beliefs and ideals, and that we would abandon our own to the degree that they separate us from you. We thank you now, Father, and ask you to bless this to us, that we would be your children, faithful 
and fully aware of your love for us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.